afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode here at the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts on the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad the Side. And Tad, I'm feeling fantastic today. I mean, You're just, a dick. I, I'm sorry, but I mean, Colts came away with the win too, so I mean, that's still good. Go on, <laughs> do do what you want to I mean, do. It's just, it's just, it's it's one of those few times where it's like. I love seeing Dallas lose, right? Like, I mean, that's – I think we could both agree on that one, well, that's right? right. No, no, that's right. That's lose, right. That's right. I'll, I'll stop yap-yapping there. Yeah. On top of it, I love to see the 49ers win. But I think the only thing that makes it better, specifically for me – I don't know if it's the same for you, obviously, but just seeing the Niners beat the Cowboys. I think that's just, like, beat. fantastic. And then that's, beat the that's Cowboys. the cherry on top of the Sunday, right? It's like we all expected it to be a lot closer of a game. I was actually kind of, you know, quote-unquote, disappointed watching the game that it wasn't as close as it was yeah. but that's exactly what it was the Niners just absolutely controlled that game from the outset of just like Dallas didn't really was in that game Dallas was not in that game I should say at all really I think it was that close at one point after the Gavante Turpin uh touchdown in the second quarter but after that Niners just ran away with it I mean just yeah it's they're looking like it's had really quick question off the bat here and I hate to sort of throw this as a bias question for myself here but just are the Niners the best team in the NFL right now? They're out there. I'm not gonna lie. It's because okay. it, it, <laughs> Sunday was a litmus test where I yeah, was like, okay, that, like that's exactly what it was. Yeah. How good are the 49ers really? And at the end of the night on Sunday, I'm sitting there going, okay, so we got Eagles, 49ers, uh, NFC Championship. Got it. I'm like, okay. The rest of the season doesn't matter. It only matters because of fantasy. Otherwise, it's going <laughs> to be the night, uh, barring any injury, is going yes, to be the Niners versus Philadelphia. Like there's just and, no question about it. And I think the big thing for me too is just that yes, the Eagles are undefeated still, and obviously the Niners are undefeated, but just looking at what the Eagles have done over the past five weeks compared to what the Niners have done the past five weeks, I just feel like the Niners are a more confident five and zero. Whereas like the Eagles, they look shaky at times, especially against the Rams this past week. Um, against the Commanders, they had to win it in overtime on a field goal. So I mean, it's just like I know. This is still September, October, whatever it is. It's still very early in the season. So it's like they say you don't want to be peaking at this time. You want to peak once you're closer to December, January, when the playoffs matter, obviously, when it's around. But just through five weeks of action, it just looks like the Niners are really just – they're clicking on all cylinders. It's just like they're so much more of a controlled 5-0 and compared to Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, they're both 5-0, and so I totally get what you're saying. You're aware because of this very conversation, like half your roster is about to get hurt? Yeah, I'm you're, putting you're it just like tempting know, fate at this point. Like, I am. You're, you're dangling really it am. in front of them. Stop doing that. I really am. We should move on. We should definitely. 49ers are terrible. <laughs> Drake Greenlaw is overrated. Uh, Fred <laughs> Warner is terrible. Oh, dear really, Lord. Fred we don't Warner. really need him. Uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, how good is he really? Like, come on, yeah. man. You're, you're yeah. using all the wrong talking points. I know. I know. But you it's very good, exciting. Though. It's you very exciting. Good. That was. I was really happy after that. Andrew just got Randy Gregory. God, you suck. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm feeling really good right now. But unfortunately, Tad, we do need to get to some injury news here on week five, as we always do here on Monday. We're going to talk about some injuries. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Before we get to the bad news, we have one more piece of good news. You get to talk about your team. I get to talk about my team. Let's do it. He's back for our <laughs> listening audience, which is very anticlimactic of like what we were those yeah, five was, seconds of like silence. Just, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is locked down as a Colt for the next three 
years. I love it. It was a great deal on both sides. I'm glad we got it done. I didn't think we'd get it done. I've been a pessimist for the last two months of like, nope, we're screwed. And this, it, you know, well, given the current political situation, might not be the best comparison, but, you know, harken, we'll harken, it, harken it back to, you know, two years ago when we were almost at war with North Korea. I'm like, nope, this is it. This is it. We're screwed. And I had the exact same reaction, uh, attitude going into the Jonathan Taylor situation. Credit where it's due. Chris Ballard got done. Jonathan Taylor, you got your cash. Let's get some wins, baby. As good as it was, it hopefully gets some yards. Because, I mean, as great as see, it was okay, fighting I, him, it was just interesting to see him not get involved as much as Zach Watts did. Who had a fantastic, he hasn't played in like six months. Just still, still. No, I'm not worried yet. I'm not worried yet. All right. No, that's fair. That's fair. In fact, Jonathan Taylor is one of my favorite by low candidates. There you go. I think we Which, unfortunately, the guy who has him in my league uh, is keeps, you know, he's, he's smart. He's holding on to him. Like, damn yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but, Tad, there is definitely some cold news that we need to get to as well. Not on as happy or no, a don't. note for sure. No, we but don't. We'll get to no, that in a no, little bit. No, it's okay. We don't, uh, we don't but, yes, just like that. every Monday, we definitely need to discuss the week five injuries that may obviously affect your fantasy roster in here week six and possibly forward. And, of course, we'll give you our waiver wire picks here for week six as well. But let's kick these off first, Tad, with the two teams that are on a bye week here in week six. And that is the Green Bay Packers, who are currently playing as of recording here on Monday night against the Las Vegas Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers are also going to be on a bye week. So only two teams this week, so it shouldn't affect you too much, but obviously something to be aware of as you set your roster here for week six uh, and possibly going forward as well. So let's start with the big news here, Tad. Let's get to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I saw this, and I have not rostered in one league, and that is Travis Kelsey, the tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. Did you know he's dating Taylor Swift? <laughs> God, I'm wondering a lot of people are thinking of whether she's going to be at the game this weekend because they're playing at home against Denver. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But anyways, Travis Kelsey, unfortunately, in a non-contact situation, he just I guess he ran his ankle. It was weird. He like tripped on the turf or like his cleat caught or something along those lines. He just automatically fell down short of the first down line. It might have been short of the scrimmage line, if I remember correctly. But just, yeah, it was a non-contact injury. He was immediately walking to the sideline with a visible limp. He was taken to the uh, locker room. He threw his helmet down in frustration that it clearly looked like it was hurting him. But the strange thing, that is that he came back later in the game. He scored a touchdown. He had 10 catches on the day. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a serious injury. It was severely taped up. His uh, ankle that was uh, that was hurt, he had that cleat and everything was taped up. So, I mean, maybe that added a little bit some more support, obviously, but just – for him to obviously play through that, I don't know if it's as severe, but just, yeah, a guy of his caliber, um, especially like I sort of mentioned, the Chiefs are playing on a short week against the Broncos at home. So you wonder whether, like, you know, they want to make sure he's fully healthy. This is obviously one of those situations where they want to keep him for the long haul as opposed to just this game. I don't know if they really need him against the Broncos. I think they'll be fine without him, but it's definitely a situation to barter because, I mean, we saw this tad in week one when they played the Detroit Lions and Travis Kelsey didn't play. That offense didn't look as no, sharp it as not. it usually was. And so this will not only affect managers who have Travis Kelsey rostered, but everybody else on the Kansas City offense, I think, will take a slight hit in case Travis Kelsey doesn't play because just – Overall, just that offense didn't look as in sync or as just with good chemistry. Even with a guy like Patrick Mahomes under center, it just did not look as sharp in that week one. Now, we'll see, obviously, if things have changed. It's obviously been like five, six weeks since that week one game that things could be a little bit different here. But just Travis Kelsey sort of makes that offense go. So, I mean, just had in case Travis Kelsey doesn't play, 
Just, I mean, how do you feel about that Kansas City offense, like, in case he doesn't play? If he doesn't play, my confidence in that offense goes down dramatically. And like you okay. said, that is completely because of that week one performance where it was, you know, they, they didn't do badly. And the Detroit Lions defense has looked good, but this secondary, trust me, I'm going to touch on this later. That Detroit Lions secondary is the weakness of that defense. But that week one performance. And really made, quick, just to bring that up, they actually just lost one of their defenders to a torn ACL. He's out for the year. So you're talking about a weakness. Unfortunately, they just got weaker. There <laughs> so. you go. And so I think that the fact that they struggled against, I won't say a weak secondary. That's a little too brutal. But uh, a, a lesser tier secondary. Yeah, it's not the same as their front seven. Front seven. Right. Is, is oh, my God. That, all that linebacker. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's almost like somebody called, uh, uh, what's his name, Jack Campbell? Jack Campbell, yes. Yeah, it's almost like someone called him being good in the draft. How about that? But uh, yeah, no, those linebackers and obviously that defensive line with Aiden Hutchinson, they're they're good, they're good. Um, but point being is, I think that 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 Chiefs offense looks so stagnant's too rough of a word. Uh, incomplete, I think is the right yeah. word. They looked incomplete in Week One. So I think if you want my honest opinion, because had Kelsey not come back in the game. This would be a radically different conversation, but he came back in. Like you said, he ran a great little curl route. That was actually right when I got back home. I missed a lot of football watching this past Sunday, but I did see that where Travis Kelsey ran that just beautiful little like curl route and then just dove in untouched. It was great. So the fact that he's back in, I think that he will play this weekend. The bigger question to me is how much of a, how much, how big of how big of a part is he going to play in the game plan since he is hurt? Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. It, it but took yeah, a little it, while to get there, but that does yeah, make seriously. sense. But no, formulate the thought on the my, fly. My there. point Just, being, yeah, my point well, in big and part and there are a lot of words going out there. But my point being is like, I think that he will definitely play. He will start, but I don't think they're going to throw to him as much. So how does that affect the offense? And I will say this, and I almost picked him. For a waiver wire pickup, but we already talked about him. I feel like a fair enough, uh, a fair amount enough on this podcast. But Rasheed Rice, I could see him having a much bigger impact next week because I don't think the the game plan is going to be throwing Kelsey as much. No, Rasheed Rice did score in that game over the weekend against the Minnesota Vikings, and so yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. It's like get that guy before he blows up because yes, yeah, this could be his blow up game. Involved. This could, could be, be his blow up game. Very could be so yeah travis kelsey wandered that situation but it's looking like he'll probably be okay to play i'd be shocked if he didn't play him yeah exactly so i think he should be fine this one is a little bit more curious because in that same game tad another big game was hurt in that game on the other side on the other sideline i should say specifically justin jefferson the wide receiver for the minnesota vikings he left the game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the fourth quarter, and he did not run, uh, did not return. Excuse me. Overall, just through that game, even before he left the game, he had one of his worst performances of his career. He only had three catches for 28 yards. Uh, there's no news yet that has surfaced as far as the extent of the injury, but it's looking like it's going to be a hamstring injury. Um, Jefferson and obviously the medical staff is looking for multiple opinions just to make sure to see how severe this injury is and whether they're going to have to keep him out for, you know. Hamstring injuries can range from like maybe a week to two weeks to possibly four to six weeks. So, I mean, this could be a very 
ranging injury as far as how severe it is and obviously very similar to Travis Kelsey. The Vikings do not want to risk this guy just to bring it back so soon, so early in the season. They want to keep him for the long haul and make sure that he's good to go longer term over the course of the season and, of course, through future seasons as well and not rush anything. And just honestly, Tad, the way the Vikings are playing right now with them being one and four now, um, maybe they're sort of in that sort of boat of just like, let's scrap this Came season. Came for, for Caleb. Us and like you know move on so then definitely you don't want to bring Justin Jefferson back in that situation it's like all right let's just punt the season to 2024 sort of thing here so I mean we'll see about that but I mean Ted in the meantime in case Justin Jefferson does have to miss some time even if it's just a week we automatically like Jordan Addison a ton here and I think another guy that we're huge fans of KJ Osborne I think he's going to step up take a larger role that receiving offense too so I don't see this passing offense taking too much of a drop with Justin Jefferson out I think Kirk Cousins should still be a viable option um but I do like the supplemental pieces to get up to get targets and be more reliable so good fantasy waiver options on the waiver wire but you're giving me a weird look here Tad so those of us on the podcast gave you this very questionable look when I said Kirk Cousins still viable starter so do you not feel that same way if Justin Jefferson is not playing no, no. I mean, they're just losing the best receiver in football. How does how could that possibly affect their passing offense? No, of course that has a massive impact on this passing offense. So I think I think and I'm gonna try to back you up here. The point you were trying to make is there's still some fantasy viability in this offense without uh, Justin Jefferson. But in terms of like, can this offense be the same without Justin Jefferson? Absolutely not. Justin Jefferson misses an extended amount of time. This offense is going to be stagnant as shit. Like they are not going to be able to move anything there. There's still a, a, you know, the best comparison I can make is the Carolina Panthers offense this season, where you still get guys like Adam Thielen, Bryce Young, Miles Sanders, who are putting up respectable fantasy numbers, but it somehow doesn't really produce it on the field. And I think without Justin Jefferson, that's what you have in the Minnesota offense. I'm right there with the KJ Osborne, um, uh, Jordan Addison, maybe Alexander Madison. He showed a little bit of promise this past weekend. It's still, a bit, you know, wait, wait and see on him. I think there's still like, you know, if Justin Jefferson's out, it's not like, oh, just abandon ship on this entire offense. But can this offense produce on the field, like non-fantasy wise, without Justin Jefferson? No. But look, we are a fantasy football podcast, so we'll focus on the fantasy football aspect of it. There are still some interesting names out there, and I think Kirk Cousins goes from a start him every week with Justin Jefferson to a depends on the matchup, but he's still startable. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that, yes, obviously missing Justin Jefferson from your offense is going to be a huge hit to your overall offense. But I'm just saying, yes, in a fantasy aspect, I think they're still going to air it out. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. like Alexander Bass has been looking good, but not great with the way yeah. a lot of people expected in the offseason, especially with Dalvin Cook being now the member of the New York Jets. So it's just like that sort of thing has led to them passing more. They still have TJ Hawkinson. So they have a trio of good pass catching options. That's like, you don't know who you're going to have to cover in a defense to worry about who's going to go off. And so I think that's more of what I wanted to speak to is just like, yes, just Jefferson automatically makes an offense any better, but just, yeah, I still think they're going to be some good chances that they'll still produce pretty well. The receivers as well as Kirk cousins, even with Justin Jefferson out. But yeah, long-term, if he's out for a long time, that could be a very bad situation for the Vikings on the field as opposed to fantasy-wise. No, no, very much so. Now, if you do have Kirk Cousins and you're like, well, shit, who do I need to back him up with? I do have an interesting pick. How about this? I, yeah, think, it's, I, I think it's time to pick up Baker Mayfield. 
Interesting. Yeah, let's let's hear about this one. Okay, so he's available in 87% of ESPN leagues. He's coming off yeah, well, widely available. He's coming off a of bye week, which I think is why the reason why that number is so high. Makes sense, um, yeah. mm-hmm. And but I mean, you look, he's coming off 22 points against a, what's looking like a fairly impressive New Orleans defense. And I, you know, New Orleans and Tampa Bay always play each other tough. So the fact that he had 22 points, I'm liking. And then you look at his uh, schedule going forward. They have Atlanta or uh, Detroit next this p- upcoming week, and then they have Atlanta after that. So they have a pretty soft schedule. And this is a Detroit defense like we talked about. I said I was going to touch on this. This is where I'm touching on it. Where d- the Detroit secondary showed you Aiden Hutchins. They, they, yes, they did have an interception. Who got the interception? It was not the secondary. It was Aiden Hutchinson. Like that, is that defensive line? It was so, so good. <laughs> it was so good. That was a great way to start my Sunday. Um, but I think this Detroit secondary is pretty vulnerable because they allowed Bryce Young to score almost 18 uh, fantasy points this past weekend. And that that is a Bryce Young that has not been doing well, especially when it comes to fantasy numbers. He's been borderline irrelevant. And this is the first week where people were like, oh, shit, should we pick up? I literally had a friend text me like, should I pick up Bryce Young? I'm like, don't do it. I'm like, don't fall for the trap. Don't do yeah. it. <clears throat> so my point being is I, they have two pretty soft matchups when it comes to secondary in Detroit and Atlanta coming up. Baker Mayfield, I think he's finally found his home in Tampa Bay. It's very possible. He's looking very comfortable in that offense. You obviously have the bye week now, so it's just an extra week to sort of just obviously learn from what your mistakes were over the first course of the season here, the first quarter or so, and now you're sort of ready to go for the rest of the season as well. So it's like, you know, some people don't like the early bye week. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think in some cases it can also be beneficial for you for the entire season going forward. So, yeah, in this case, maybe it can work out for the Tampa Bay offense and they can sort of get forward a little bit there. Because also remember, we brought this up before the bye week for Tampa Bay, but Mike Evans was dealing with a calf injury and so i think he's got to be perfectly fine so he'll be ready to go for the rest of the season too so yeah i think this should be good but baker mayfield sneaky good addition here but and i think you may have to pick him up for this next quarterback that we're going to bring up tad i'm sorry that we have to bring it up but it's unfortunate here that it's just like you hear this constantly i feel like we brought this guy up on a lot of our episodes so far the season stop running the ball we have to bring up his name again the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, the rookie, Anthony Richardson, he is out for a considerable amount of time. He took a hit in the second quarter of the game against the Tennessee Titans, removed from the game afterwards. He was on the ground for like a good minute or so, like just holding his shoulder. He was just like, he was in pain. He was obviously when he was walking off, it was hard for him to move his shoulder. Um, barely able to move it. It's looking like it's a serious injury. This is his third injury now, Tad, in a five-week span of the NFL season. Um, I know a couple of them were like concussion-related. Then he obviously had the shoulder, a leg injury, and yeah, now he has a yeah, shoulder injury. Yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. Let's go. <laughs> Reports are diagnosed this injury as a grade three AC sprain, and that would mean Richardson would need to miss at least a month. We're still obviously waiting to see multiple uh, opinions about to see whether how severe this injury actually is. Um, we're going to see whether they're going to have to place him on IR. If they do place him on don't IR, that's don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. That's a guaranteed four games that he'll have to miss if they do put him on the IR list. So we'll see about that. But it has already been confirmed, Tad, against his former team. Gardner Minshew is going to be starting in week six against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that has already been confirmed. We'll see about the long-term week seven and going forward, whether Anthony Richardson will return or not. But yeah, Ted, it's, 
it's just unfortunate that, like I said, three injuries in a span of a five-week, you know, season here. I know they've all been different injuries, but it's just like some of the things that we were sort of talking about where it's just like, I don't know whether that's his own aggressiveness that, you know, Shane Steichen is calling. It's his not. To be no, like, it's okay. not. It's not. It's it's his. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. But no, uh, no, no, please do. Please do. You know more no, than I do. <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago when he got uh, what was the, the the Houston Texans injury? Was that a concussion? Was that what it was? That was the leg injury. I think that was the knee injury, right? Concussion happened, I think, the following week. Don't worry. But the, the fact that we're even mixing them up <laughs> is signing enough. Is whatever yeah. the Houston Texans injury was where he had that touchdown, where he's yeah. running in, he got leveled there. That was a sign of like, okay, no, he. this is like a him inflicted, uh, inflicted slash a team inflicted thing of like that was just a bad play call. We can't send the skinny 21-year-old kid out there to take those hits. But the play got hurt on this past weekend wasn't even that big of a play. Like, it was like a three-yard rush by him. He barely got hit. He just got hit the wrong way. And, uh, well, he didn't even get hit the wrong way. He really just fell on it the wrong way. He got landed on, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. They sacked him. And then, or I don't know if he sacked him, but he tackled him, but he sort of it landed was, on Yeah, like, it was after, like, a three-yard rush. But the whole problem is now I have concerns of just, like, I, you're a running quarterback, man. If you can't run and sustain yourself, I don't know if you have a future here. That's the problem. And yeah, that is extremely cutthroat to say, but that's the, that's the bottom line of like, okay, if we can't utilize your skill set to the best of its ability without you, like, look, what's the point of having quarterback if you can only play half the season? Yeah, um, exactly. This is exactly what I thought Lamar Jackson would be. And this shows you how special Lamar Jackson is because Lamar Jackson plays a very similar game, but he sustains these types of hits where Anthony Richardson, I'm not sure if it's because he's young, if it's because he's not used to it, but I'm, I'm having real sustainability concerns. I no longer have skill concerns. I have completely bought into him. He is a great quarterback. I hope he can stick around for the future, but you know, in terms of, you know, physical health wise, I'm not sure if he's you know built to last in the NFL. So if there is a, uh, I think Drake may, despite his struggles this year is going to go in the top 10, but let's say uh, Michael Penix, for example, for some reason, especially after the year he's having right now, if he slips in the second round and the Colts decide to take him as an insurance policy, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, at this point, you kind of need that insurance policy just based on what we've seen. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Gardner Minshew going to like I still have yeah. faith like, OK, we can win this. But Gardner Minshew probably will not be on this roster next year. So it's like, OK, then who do we have back? And like I is like we need a good backup now. Like that is a constant requirement going forward. Yeah. And I think obviously the Colts, they still have a lot of their roster to sort of build up to like their offensive line. Oh. You said is sort of aging and dealing with injuries. So, so it's like they need to sort so of bad. fix that as well. Obviously they need the backup quarterback. I think they got a good stable of weapons, but you could always use a few more. Their defense, I think could use a few upgrades as well. So I mean, it's like, they're still rebuilding. A so it's like they're, a few, all right. I, I I think they still they're in a good spot, but they're obviously nowhere ready to compete just yet. And just like, yeah, when you're dealing with these injuries that aren't part of the rebuild, it makes you worried about just like, okay, can he be part of the rebuild? Right. And exactly, exactly like you said. Exactly. Can and we depend exactly on like him to be the leader mm -hmm. going forward for this rebuild? Exactly. That's exactly like you said, that it couldn't That's hurt okay, to have a backup. Do, so the plan we, for that. We have another leader. <laughs> well, with the bad offensive line, it's going to be hard. Shut up. There, right but we'll see we'll see there's still a lot more football to go i'd like to think he'll figure it out as far as 
minimizing the injuries that he's taking so they're not as severe or at all for obviously the better part there so but yeah it's looking like he may be out for at least a couple of weeks we'll see exactly the extent once we get more news it was so funny because when he hurt himself i'm like he's fine he's fine he's fine and then i like as our longtime you know viewers and listeners know i'm a red zone guy so i was watching red zone and this guy hansen goes bad news from indianapolis i'm like don't do this to me scott like, don't do it. <laughs> and then they showed, like, yeah. Anthony Richardson, like, holding – like, he was yeah. not moving his right arm at all. And I just yeah. literally was sitting on my couch like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Okay. Let's go, Minshew. Let's go number 10. And it's just – it's it's going to be an interesting season. It will be. It will be. I and, unfortunately, when you talk you. about – just... You you get to have an all-star quarterback, Mr. Relevant. I get a guy at, <laughs> what, number three, number four, and he can't stay healthy. You are such a lucky bastard. Yeah, and, Tad, you're talking about interesting seasons here. I think you could definitely d- describe that in one way. I think it probably get a little bit more negative when you're talking about the New York Giants right now. And they're, dealing with a little bit, <laughs> they're dealing with a little bit of an issue as well with their quarterback not, as well. By the, way, by the way, I'm not laughing at the injury. I'm laughing at the Giants. Yeah. yeah, definitely we're not laughing at any injuries. It's just, unfortunately, the Giants situation right now, their season is just – yeah, it's crumbling pretty pretty quickly apart oh, uh, so here. So, I mean, Daniel Jones, unfortunately, is dealing with the injury as well. He took a big hit in the fourth quarter in the game against the Miami Dolphins. He did not return to the game. Tyra Taylor ended up finishing that game, but it looks to be a neck injury, and no news has come out as far as the severity in, of the injury. But Brian Dable, head coach of the uh, New York Giants, has said the injury hopefully is not too bad. He's trying to stay optimistic, and he could be in line to start this weekend on the Sunday night game against the Buffalo Bills, but there could be a chance that he misses that game. But I think, Tad, the very interesting thing here is just that in 2021, he suffered a neck injury in that season as well, forced him to miss the last six games of the season, and he had to get surgery to repair things there before he was fully good to go. So you wonder whether this sort of it could be in line with sort of like, you know, re-aggravating that injury or, you know, I'm not sure exactly. They're saying it's two separate things. Obviously, we're waiting for more tests to come out, and they're saying that this is not as severe as what happened to him in 2021. But, I mean, it's still the neck area. I mean, it's just like it's still a little bit worrisome, especially with him and just Overall, though, Tad, you were laughing about it earlier, but just like even if he was healthy and he was I, ready to go, I was this not offense, laughing about the injury. I was not laughing, laughing about, about the, the team. You're laughing about the yes. team and the offense, and so it's just like even if Daniel Jones was healthy and he was playing in this offense, just what we've seen from this offense. It's really hard to trust anybody in this offense as far as fantasy relevancy. Like, even when I'm hearing a lot of people talk about that, what's sick when Barkley comes back? They're going to be 100% better. No, Saquon Barkley is not going to fix. It's not going to be this magical band-aid for how terrible this office has been, unfortunately. And good friend of our podcast here, a big supporter. We talked to him a lot through the Slack. Kerry Kroger is a Giants fan, and he's just very questioning just Andrew Thomas, the uh, – sorry, Evan Neal, lineman for the New York Giants. is just like, did they make a mistake drafting this guy? And I think, Tad, you had a perfect response, and I'll let you sort of get that response here. But it's just like, overall, the offensive line is causing issues, and that's not going to help things for Saquon Barkley. It's obviously not going to help things for Daniel Jones or whoever is playing quarterback. So just overall, it's just hard to trust anybody in this offense. Even once Saquon Barkley is back and healthy, it's hard to trust him too. So, I mean, just like, yeah, it's just it's a bad situation in New York right now. I think the whole situation in New York, and this was my response to the Evan Neal question. So it was actually Al Rowe that asked this question of like, I thought Evan Neal was like really good. Like what mm. happened there? And uh, and Kerry backed my answer up though is what exactly what I said was basically that look he 
he is good and he's still a prospect with a lot of promise, but he's getting a lot of hate right now because he's not as good for where he was drafted, but he still shows enough athletic promise. Uh, the problem is he was so much bigger, faster, stronger than everyone in college. And it's funny because I, I go back <clears throat> and rewatch our draft live stream. And I was kind of kicking myself because what I said way too often was he's good. He just needs a little bit more refinement. I said that about so many prospects, but ultimately that's what a lot of prospects need. That's why I said it so often. And Evan Neal's a perfect example of that. And really this whole Giants offense is a perfect example of that is they are, they're on the right path. There is a path to growth here. There's some promise here. You need a little bit of refinement in terms of finding better weapons on the outside, in terms of just fine-tuning that offensive line. I'm still a believer in Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal has all the potential to be good. It's just you got to be patient with him. The whole problem is if this was the Carolina Panthers offense, we'd all be like, oh, they're, they're heading in a nice direction. But because it's New York, everybody's freaking out. And because New York, in my opinion, wrongly paid Daniel Jones all that money, now, that put so much unnecessary pressure for immediate success that this offense was never ready for. So I, I'm completely with you of like, I, I don't see Saquon Barkley being the magic bandaid here because the offensive yeah. line is just not up to par. Those weapons on the outside, not up to par. It's, you know, it, it the newer Giants just feel kind of stuck right now. And that's why I would not have paid Daniel Jones all that money. Um, because a lot, it, it just puts so much unnecessary pressure on an offense that you guys are on the right path. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is not an NFL starting caliber quarterback. He is. He proved me wrong. I didn't think he was. He's convinced me otherwise. But with the weapons he's got, I don't blame him for sucking right now. Like the, it, there's very little for him to do. They're basically asking him to do every. They're asking him to be Josh Allen. You are not Josh Allen. Daniel Jones is not. But he's still a very capable starting quarterback. So it's just about like how do you you know create those support systems around him? And this year, they're just not there. Yeah, and I think just the big thing exactly like you laid out, where it's like you play in a market like New York where automatically all of the attention is going to be on your team regardless. But then you throw in the fact that they made the playoffs last year and they exactly. upset the Minnesota Vikings. So it's like you expect more from this team and just the performance that they're putting out on the field right now is just not living up to those expectations that a lot of people have set in the offseason. So, yeah, it's just a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, a lot of pressure on second-year coach Brian Dable. Hopefully he was going to be the fix for Daniel Jones. It's just that has been working. They've been dealing but with But that's injuries. the thing is you can, yeah, you can it's, see the frustration. It's been bad. It's been you, bad. Can, <laughs> you can see the frustration on Dable's face, too, when Daniel Jones makes those mistakes. So that's the whole thing. It's like, is Dable actually this good? Uh, I'm so sorry. Have you seen Josh Allen's performance? Yeah. Like, that dude has been majorly inconsistent ever since Dable left. Like, Dable is a great coach, and that is why I'm almost upset he's gone to New York because I'm afraid, not at the end of this year, I'd be shocked. If this happened at the end of this year, but I think next year, this is a real possibility where the Giants may fire Dable a little too early because oh, I yeah. think I think Dable is a good coach. But I think, again, with like what we're talking about with the market expectations, they're going to, you know, go to the guillotine a little too early. That seems very, very likely for sure. Can we so, yeah, bring back a literal happens. guillotine for the NFL? That makes things so much more interesting. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I could see that very much happening where they'll let him go after three seasons because he 
peaked too soon in that first season. It just hasn't been able to sort of recapture that magic. But yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, hard to trust this Giants offense right now for fantasy purposes, for sure. So let's get to the Arizona Cardinals next here, Tad. We're going to get to the running back position. And this is where we're going to talk about James Conner. Um, seemed to suffer a knee injury midway through the second quarter. So I missed this. I missed this. You fill me in and our viewers and listeners. How bad did it look? Because I did not see this injury. It was interesting because he kind of was he was doing a hurdle and then he sort of okay. got flipped over and he landed on the knee wrong. But a lot of people are saying he twisted his knee before so the takeoff. Okay, was it a landing or was it the hit? So I think I don't know. It was hard to tell exactly okay. where the injury happened, but just yeah, as soon as he landed weird, you could tell that he was like, okay, because yeah, la- landing has me more worried that like hit tells me like it's a bone bruise, hurts like shit. Trust me, I've done that before where like legitimately I was like, I think I broke my knee. And then, like, you know, a day or two later, I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. But if he landed on it weird, that's more concerning. Yeah, so it looked just like a combination of just, like, he landed wrong. The hit was sort of affecting things. Mm. I don't know. But just overall, he was able to get to the sideline on his own power. So you didn't think it was going to be that bad. But shortly after, I think this is where I think the concern started to creep in is that he left to go to the locker room with the trainer to sort of get that examined. He was obviously ruled out for the rest of the game. There was a chance he was going to come back. But then he was ruled out for the rest of the game. Um, we're going to see as far as what the results are with the MRI and just how se- severe of an injury it is. Head coach John again has said it's a twisted knee. So what exactly does that mean? I don't think that's very specific. So we'll see what happens here. But I think the big thing here is just it is placed, Tad. Your boy from TCU, the undrafted rookie, he was able to come in, stepped in. He performed really, really well. And that is the running back Amari DiMarcado out of TCU. Like I talked about, the undrafted rookie with the Arizona Cardinals, now formerly of the TCU Horned Frogs. And I mean, I think this is the guy that a lot of people are going to be clamoring to pick up off the waiver wire because if James Conner can't play this week and there's a possibility that he may not be able to go, I think just DiMarcado looked like he was filling that role pretty nicely. He had a game-high 10 rushing attempts, even when James Conner was in the game. So, I mean, he was the clear bell cow. Uh, Their other backup running back, Keontae Ingram, is dealing with the injury as well. He may be in line to play here in week six in case uh, James Conner can't go, but there's still a possibility that he won't be able to go either. There is talk that they may elevate Corey Clement from the practice squad, but regardless— Corey Clement's a cardinal? Yes, with the Arizona Cardinals right now. Uh, But I just think what we saw from DiMarcado, he was able to run pretty efficiently. He had 10 carries as mentioned for 45 rushing yards. He also scored a rushing touchdown, and he also had one reception for 12 yards, so he's bringing that receiving ability too. But next on the docket for the Cardinals is the Los Angeles Rams, and I think DiMarcado can do some damage against that defense. They are susceptible to the run game as well as through the air for the running back too. So I think he could be a really good addition, especially if James Connor is not able to go. Same thing with Keontae Ingram. So, I mean, Tad, you obviously have watched this guy in college. So, I mean, is there anything that I'm leaving out that would be very beneficial for this uh, Cardinals offense now? Okay, I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Can you put me on a 40-second uh, timer? Uh, yeah, I could do that. Because otherwise, I'm going to talk about him way too much. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. All so. right, so Marcado, I, I absolutely love this signing when it happened when the Arizona Cardinals signed him as an undrafted free agent out of TCU because the whole thing with TCU's offense last year was we ran a very kind of pro-style spread offense. And I know that's kind of, you know, contrarian of like, how does that work? But that's why Max Duggan ended up being drafted at all is because there were a lot of shotgun formations run by the TCU offense, but a lot of it was – 
if the running back's not good to go, it's up to the quarterback to make the right call. So the TCU offense was very pro-ready last year. We're running something very different this year, which is why we suck. But this is why DiMicardo uh, is doing so well with the Arizona Cardinals is because it is a very similar offense being used in Arizona. Thank you so much for not having that go off. <laughs> but Arizona is running a very similar style offense under Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, or with, you know, um, basically they're running a pro spread offense, both in at TCU and in Arizona, which is why Dean McCarter is doing well. And I actually really like his fancy, uh, propositions isn't the right word. Um, the, the, his fancy future going forward because, Arizona may just say, okay, James Conner's getting older. Maybe we give DeMarcado uh, more carries, see what we got in the young, basically free rookie on this contract. And uh, I just need to correct myself because I stumbled over it. I know Cliff Kingsbury is no longer the coach. John Gannon is what I meant to say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, as soon as yeah, I said that. But that's a weird thing is they're basically running Kingsbury's offense. They're just doing it better. Very similar, very similar for sure. So last injury that Where we need to Kingsbury get to now is he at USC? He is. I think he's on their coaching staff as like their quarterbacks coach or offensive assistant ah, or something shit. along those lines. But he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be famous next OC, isn't he? Could be. Um, so Tad, we got one more injury that we need to get to, and that is the wide receiver Nathaniel Tank Dell of the Houston Texans. Uh, made a huge catch in the second quarter, but unfortunately just the way he landed, Tad, just this was unfortunate. His, his helmet like, bounce off bad. the turf. No, it, it looked bad. bad. It, it looked bad. bad. You're like, okay, clearly this guy is probably going to be dealing with a head injury of some sort. He was on the sideline. He was on the ground for quite some time. They eventually took him out. They took him immediately to the blue medical tent. They evaluated him for a concussion. And as of Monday, they are they put him, excuse me, into the concussion protocol. So yeah, we'll see if he's going to be able to suit up this week, uh, this week six game against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but yeah, he was surprisingly a pretty big part of that offense. Like I remember seeing this guy Tad out of the University of Houston, and I was like, I don't know if this guy is going to translate to the That's NFL. Right I compared him a lot mm -hmm. to Tavon Austin. I was like, this guy was like they used him as that gadget guy. I think they called him like the OW, the offensive weapon on their roster. I remember that for a while. Um, so it's like I thought Tank Dell was going to fit that same mold, but he's been looking very much fitting the bill for the Houston Texans. He's found a great chemistry with CJ Stroud, and he's becoming a big playmaker in that offense. And just, yeah, missing him from this offense is going to be a little bit of a hit. But, yeah, CJ Stroud has been looking pretty good in this offense. Even if they, Tank Dell were to miss some time, I think he's got some good players in Nico Collins, Robert Woods, and Dalton Schultz, who's actually one of my pickups for the week at the tight end position. Um Tad, I remember talking about sitting this guy. I think it was two weeks ago in our start and sit episode, and it ended up being a correct decision. But now in back-to-back -back weeks, Dalton Schultz Don't has do found it. the end Don't zone. Don't do it. You're falling for the trap, but you keep going. I think in this case, he's not going to be a long-term starter, but I think with Nathaniel uh, with Nathaniel Dell possibly being out for an extended period of time, whether it's just a week, whether it's two weeks, maybe it's a little bit longer, we'll see the severity of the concussion. But just like – I think it just took a little bit of time for the Texans to realize that it's like, hey, we have a Pro Bowl tight end that we're not using at all. And so now they're finally starting to use him in that game against the Atlanta Falcons over the weekend. Schultz led the team with 10 targets. He caught seven of those targets for 65 receiving yards, and he had a touchdown. As I mentioned, he had back-to-back -back games now with scoring a touchdown. 
with Tank Dell possibly missing time, like I said, I think he could be a steady streaming option with Tank Dell being out, that he'll be a good supplemental piece to Nico Collins and Robert Woods in the passing offense. So, yeah, I don't like him long term. I still think this, unfortunately, this offense just doesn't utilize the tight end as much as we want it to. But in the short term, with Tank Dell being out, I think this just gives another weapon for CJ Stroud to utilize. But are you feeling a little bit differently here? I'm feeling completely different. Okay. No, because here's why is because, like, exactly what you said i understand where you're coming from right because his last two weeks going for more than 10 points week to week especially for a tight end that is as widely available how many uh what's his availability percentage so his roster percentage currently is 52.4 percent in espn leagues and 36 percent of yahoo leagues so he's pretty okay, available that's, out there. that's that yeah and that's very tempting i understand that and that's my whole thing is like i get it I understand why you're like, ooh, I should go for him. But you look at all the other games where he didn't score a touchdown, he's been borderline irrelevant at all. He's a but, but here's the whole thing is how confident are you that he's going to catch, catch a touchdown? Because if he catches a touchdown, you're a genius. If he doesn't, you're an idiot. Like that is the – that's the danger of fantasy football there. And I just – I don't have enough faith. I know C.J. Stroud, everyone's freaking out. He has a ton of interception, 150 passes. Great. Who gives a shit? Uh my point being is I don't think I don't have enough faith in this Houston offense for uh, Schultz to be a consistent weapon, even against the worst defenses. So I think that you can find you can kind of like snake your way through that and find more, um, you know, uh, dependable tight end options than a guy who's just touchdown dependent, especially at this point. Now, if we were in this conversation about, you know, five, six weeks from now when the tight end pool is really, you know, uh, dried up, then I'm 100% on board. But for now, I still think this is you have your chance to jump on the boat of someone who is a little bit more dependable. All right, then who do you think is more dependable here in week six? Oh, let me tell you, my friend. Because you know that scene in the office when they're telling you, like, uh, when Pam's like, stop dating my mother. And Michael's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to date her even harder. <laughs> You know yeah. what I'm going to do when they're like, stop telling me about this guy. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you about him even harder. People, he is available in 90. Wait, let me do the math. Yep. 92% of ESPN leagues. Start picking up Logan Thomas. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he is taking so long to do this. Like, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to keep bugging you. Until it happens, the dude, and this is what I mean about consistency, right? He, every game where he's played the entire, the entire or most of the games, I know people go, you didn't play the entire Denver game. Well, guess what? Yeah, you missed a portion of the fourth quarter in that Denver game, and he still scored over five points, which is more than your guy can say. Sorry to come after you there. But my entire point being is that when Logan Thomas is healthy, which to be fair is a rare occurrence but i think that when logan thomas is healthy he's a key cog in this offense no matter what system is being run so logan thomas available in 92 percent of uh uh you know uh leagues in espn i think that is a massive sleeper that a lot of people are sleeping on he is he scored 16 points this last week he is uh sam howell's security 
blanket. We always say, we've said, uh, said it on the last, what, two, three years of this podcast, that young quarterbacks love their tight ends because that is their secure blanket. When in doubt, go to your big-ass tight end, especially in the red zone, which means touchdown opportunities for you. So I think that Logan Thomas moving forward, as long as he can stay healthy, is a legitimate option to end up as a top eight, top eight tight end. How about that? I will plant my flag on that take right now because I'm a big believer in Logan Thomas. I'm a big believer in Sam Howell. I'm a big believer in this Washington Commanders offense. So I think moving forward, Logan Thomas, he's my top waiver. I, I speak to this personally as a, someone who started Hunter Henry, who got me zero points. You can yeah. bet that Logan Thomas is at the top of my waiver wire list going into this week. Yeah, I think a lot of people are late on the bandwagon for Logan Thomas, but I think you still have a chance because, like you said, he's widely available. I think you said 92% of leagues uh, he is available to roster. So, I mean, yeah, that is a good uh, tight end to pick up this week, especially with the bye weeks rolling around. You definitely could use a backup tight end. Um, don't have to worry so much about this week. We got the Packers and the Steelers on a bye week. So, I mean, both their tight ends are, eh, not as, you know, Poor fancy Luke relevant Musgrave. right now. Luke Musgrave would be interesting if he could stay healthy. I think he also just needs more target share in this offense as well. Also so I think fair. that's the biggest thing. Pat Fryer, unfortunately, is hurt, so I don't trust yeah. anybody in the Steelers' offense either, though. But, yeah, so I think long-term, Logan Thomas, I think, has good potential to be a dependable starter going forward. Top eight, that's eh, a little extreme on my top book, eight, but, hey, top, you're taking it. You look at the top eight. Play, you, no, 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 no. Do you me a favor. Do, do me a favor. It. Do me a favor. Go look at the top eight tight ends right now. Like, it is not an impressive list at all. We still got a lot of season to go, though. We still got a lot Fancy of season graveyard, to go. Though, so. Dude, we like, man, <laughs> we need to find some way to revolutionize that. Not, not on the field, but like fantasy wise, we need some way to revolutionize that position because this position. So we've been doing fantasy for what, is it this our second or third year doing fantasy? This is our third year going into it. Third year, yeah. Tight end has consistently been the worst position. To try to yeah, cover. Yeah, it usually is. It usually is. And we've so talked annoying. about it so many times. We've talked about it so many times. So, all right. So that covers all of the injuries from week five. We covered some of our waiver wire picks here, Tad. But why don't you give me some of the picks that you just didn't get a chance to get to yet? Um, your kicker, your defense. I think your quarterback, I think you still have left. But just no, quarterback. Throw all your picks. It was Baker. Come on. That's right. You're right. How, how, Baker. All right. How could you forget we'll just, about Baker? Yeah, it's sometimes he's forgettable. All right. So I cheated a little bit. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I cheated a little bit with my running back because he is widely taking this point, but still under. So we basically on the side, guys, we have a rule where if they're over 70 percent, they're out like that's that's too high. See, yeah, I go is, a little bit. I go a little bit lower. I go if they're over sixty percent. So okay, yeah, I'm so, 60% right, so apparently yeah. I broke the rules thing because this guy is right. uh, he's managed in sixty six percent of leagues. Okay, I was bad. not a believer. I'm like I I was telling people hold their horses on him because I was like I don't know what they're gonna do with him. Uh, now a believer Jalen Warren is absolutely mm. worth a pickup. He is um, managed in 66% of leagues in the SBM, which means 34% of you have a chance to get him. If you have a chance to get him, you have a need for running back, go for it. His uh, carry numbers have slowly been going up. And the the important thing too, though, to keep in mind is that while his carry numbers have only go, been going up from like six to nine, we're like, oh my God, breaking news. Najee Harris's numbers have been going down. Yes. So I think that, Pittsburgh Steelers are finally losing faith in Najee Harris as they should. I think Jalen Warren is a more dynamic weapon. I think it's still a couple weeks away from the full-on Jalen Warren takeover. But, I, you know, kind of what you were talking about last week with uh, – who's the receiver you were talking about last week? 
who would um, like do the surprise takeover. Oh, Rishi Rice, Rishi Rice, Rishi Rice, exactly that. It's like he's going. Jalen Warren is going to have a week in the next, you know, two or three where he absolutely breaks out, and people are like, okay, he is the Steelers guy going forward. You need to get him before that happens because when that happens, he's going to be the top guy, and if you're doing okay, you're not going to be there. So Jalen Warren, I think you should get him now. Uh, receiver Josh Downs, how about that? I think I like I like him a lot because not only is he the stretch the field guy number one on the Indianapolis Colts, he's the stretch the field guy for them, but also they make up these plays specifically for him where they create space for him in the middle of the field. So not only is he because that's the key right there is not only is he the deep field guy, but he is the guy that are like okay let's just give him space to work with and he'll make something happen. He's kind of like the Colts Brandon Ayuk to be perfectly honest. So he is slowly stepping into that role. And another important thing is he has proved not once, but twice now he can uh, perform and perform well without Anthony Richardson. So that is a very interesting name moving forward. Cause like you said, we don't know how long Richardson's going to be out in terms of defense and kickers. I like the Jaguars defense. Uh, it hurts to say they're playing the Indianapolis Colts next week. I know people are like, Gardner Mitchell is good. He beat the Ravens. The Ravens miss half their defensive starters that week. So I think that is a very important piece of context to keep in mind. While Minshew is not a bad backup quarterback, he is still at the end of the day a backup quarterback. This Jaguars defense is looking really, really, really good. Uh, don't you know? Don't forget they basically up until the fourth quarter contained this Buffalo Bills offense that is much, much more talented, fairly well. So I, I, I'm taking the Jaguars to win next weekend all the way. So I like the Jaguars as a pickup. They're available in about 80% of leagues. And then finally, a guy that you brought up, I believe a week, week one. Uh, let me look up his first name real quick. Blake Groupie. Mm, yes. yes. I like him a lot. This Saints defense, ever since that uh, Derek Carr has come back, looking, you know, quote, unquote, healthy. I wonder how much shit they're injecting into his shoulder, but whatever. Uh, but ever since this, uh, he has come back, the Saints offense is the p- perfect kicker offense because they are like moving the ball down the field, but they always seem to tend to stall. And so I think that this is a great offense where they're going to keep getting it in enemy territory, but not quite finishing the job. So their next five games are against the Texans, the Jags, the Colts, the bears, and the Vikings. That is a very generous schedule moving forward. So look out for the saints offense to really start blowing up here, which means more kicker points. Exactly, and that actually transitions to the quarterback that I want to bring up. It actually is Derek Carr, so it's exactly for the reason that you laid out, where it's like they have a very good schedule coming up over the next five weeks, and then they have their bye week in that sixth week. So, like you said, they play the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Bears, and the Vikings. So probably the Jaguars will give them the toughest test as far as a defensive opportunity. Colts obviously play a really good defense. Colts not bad, but... It, I don't know which team is going to show up. So it's like yeah. you still got to count them either way there. Uh, but honestly, Derek Carr has not gone over 300 passing yards since week one. And that would make you wonder, like, why would you want this guy as a streaming option? I will say that that is a good option, though, is because of that schedule and the fact that he scored 15 fantasy points against the New England Patriots, who actually have a better defense than a better offense. And so the fact that he was able to do that against that defense and score 15 points, I think that sort of says something. He also had his first multi-touchdown game of the season. So I think he's getting more comfortable in this offense. And like I said, a very beneficial schedule is really going to help him. So is he going to light up the field? I don't think so, but the fact that you need a starting quarterback with all these bye weeks rolling right around, I think Derek Carr, the Saints have a very good schedule going forward, so I think he'd be a very serviceable streaming option going forward for the next couple of weeks if you need a quarterback in any of those weeks going forward. 
At the right back position, I already talked about Imari DiMarcado, so don't need to speak about him too much more. Uh, we already talked about KJ Osborne. He's my pick at the wide receiver position. Um, already brought up my tight end at Dalton Schultz, so I think he's a good pick there. Um, I'm going to get to defense. I already talked about the, this defense being a sit over the weekend against the Minnesota Vikings because I was like, I trust this game to be very high scoring. It ended up being 27-20. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. You took my pick for this one. So I think it's probably going to be very close to that similar situation, but I like the Chiefs to actually have a better defense this week. Uh, we got Al on the show here <laughs> with a special guest appearance again. Um, I think the Chiefs, they're playing the Broncos on a short week. I mean, we can see how terrible the Broncos are right now. I think the Chiefs... Well, I was, Chiefs I was sorry to interrupt, but I think uh, this is a direct quote. I can't remember if it was Chauncey or if it was you, Al. Somebody said so. the The argument you and I had last week of like, do you start Bryce Hall, uh, Brees Hall against the Denver Broncos? You said it was a no, you know, kind of no brainer pick. I was like, I think some people may try to bench him. And Al, I believe it was you who said the Denver Broncos are dog poo. Yeah. So of it course, was me. <laughs> it was so me. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs defense, fantasy wise, going against the Denver Broncos offense, starter set. Uh, the Chiefs defense versus the Broncos offense. Yes. Uh, oh, that's tough because Whoa. the Broncos. Okay, okay. I, I will say this. I will say this. Like Russell Wilson's not putting on bad performances as far as production and yards wise, he, right? He weirdly looks better this year than last year, but it's like worse results this year than last year. Right. They're, the the record is not great, but like his stat box is pretty good, and the Chiefs defense always early in the season is not great. I don't know why. Like, they seem to turn it on a fix at the end of the season. So that's why I say it's tough. Like, the Chiefs may win 42-3, to but Russell Wilson might pass for 250 yards and have, you know, a bunch of first downs and things like that, and his completions and QBR will be great. So that's a tough one for me. And okay, by the so way, I I started Brees Hall and he he showed up for me. Just to let you're you know. welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. Thank you for that, Tad. Yeah, all. Yeah. I got you. I got you, buddy. <laughs> so last thing I'll ask though is because this is the key part with starting defenses is so like I because I completely agree. I could see Russell Wilson because this is what he's been doing all year, like having a solid stat line. It's just it's with the situation and the context around these games, it's just not getting the job done. Is Russell Wilson turnover happy against the Chiefs on Thursday night? Oh, Thursday night game. So it's a short. It is game. a Thursday night yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 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 Yeah. The, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Denver Broncos offensive line isn't great, and the Chiefs offensive line is is it's pretty good. You know what I mean? And so, so if they're fired up and they're ready to go, you could get where are they playing? Are they playing in in, in uh, Missouri? This one or, on the short week is in Kansas City, so that's gonna play a factor as well. So they're playing in Missouri on a short week, and they just were in a dog fight with the Jets. I mean, the Chiefs um, were just in the And they're broken. Fight. From reports I read this morning, they're ready for a fire sale. Like, they're listening the, to trade reports. The Broncos, yeah, the Broncos. The Broncos, the Broncos are ready for a fire sale. Yeah, so, and then you got to remember, like, the Chiefs were just in a dog fight with the Vikings, right? And the Chiefs mm-hmm. always have something to prove. So I think this will be a Thursday. I don't know. Maybe you don't play the, the – maybe you do play the Chiefs' defense because – they might now that now you know now that you put all the factors in maybe you do play them and I mean what's the good points for defense nine points I think you get seven to nine points out of them on a Thursday yeah, night yeah seven game to nine that. points is perfect yeah exactly yeah. so I think that's just a very serviceable start there for sure so that's why I'm sticking with my pick there start the Chiefs defense against right. the Denver Broncos Al, Al I'm gonna keep you around you're gonna stay here uh, <laughs> Amir what? what's your what's your kicker to start this week 
Kicker is uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker of the Los Angeles Dicker Chargers. Dicker the kicker. Uh, so they're, coming, they're coming off the bye week here. Week five, the Chargers come off the bye week. They have a lot of great games this coming week. They play the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bears, the Jets, and the Lions. So all of those teams pose some pretty good defenses, with the exception of the Bears, obviously. But you never know what could happen there. But I like them to be very tough on this Los Angeles Chargers offense. So they'll be able to get down the field, I think, a lot of times. But they may have to set off a lot of field goals. And that's where Dicker is really going to come through and get a lot of field goal points. So I like him as far as in a five-week span, especially don't have to worry about dropping him, picking up another kicker. They already had their bye week, so you got him good to go for the next five weeks at least. So I like Cameron Dicker, the kicker. He was my kicker before, uh, yeah, his bye week. I was forced to drop him, uh, to drop him, excuse me. Uh, and then I had to pick up Matt Prater. That was a bad pick. That was yeah. that was rough. That was rough. But, uh, no, I like Cameron Dicker at, moving forward. I think this Chargers offense, even without Mike Williams, is an excellent, excellent pickup. So, uh, all right, Al, I'm going to put you on the spot. Any last-minute fantasy questions for us? It can be yeah, anything. I, trade. I, Actually, I do have a last minute fantasy question, Let's and I'm go. not gonna lie. It. It's our league, so I don't even care if it's collusion. What should I? What <laughs> should? Right. Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching. Yeah, it's all right. You're good. You're good. It's what should? What should I do with Michael Thomas? Should I keep him or should I go find somebody else? Murray, you want to answer first or should I answer first? I don't know. Is that a bias because I'm the one who traded Michael Thomas to him? No, no, no. It's <laughs> okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Then. I'll take it. I don't know if I should answer that question. No, no, no. no I'll take the – because Michael Thomas is a fascinating uh, – like kind of like Alvin Kamara as well where like they're – they're it's like uh, it almost feels like when I'm watching uh, the Saints offense, it almost feels like I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 where there's it's just like a bygone era trying to survive. And it's just like – Okay, so like Alvin Kamara still got it, but how much longer you got it? Like, is this sustainable throughout the season? I have similar concerns with Michael Thomas, especially because he's not putting out those impressive numbers where if, you know, depending on the league you play in, if it's half PPR, full PPR, or God forbid, non PPR. If, if it's non PPR, get rid of Michael Thomas. But uh, Michael Thomas. Are we in a PPR league? Are we PPR? We are in a PPR half league. PPR. Are we? We're full point. Oh, well. Okay, that affects my, you know waiver wire requests moving forward. <laughs> but uh, my point being is I think Michael Thomas is an absolutely viable flex option moving forward, but I think his days of being a wide receiver one wide receiver two are done. So he's an interesting, uh, and I'm so glad we're not broadcasting this on a podcast that hundreds of people watch. So I will tell you this, where he is an interesting piece where if you can find the sucker in our league that, you know, goes off name value over actual production, that's a very interesting trade piece right there because I think he's going to keep producing on a solid level. He's not going to, you know, blow anyone away except for a week or two. And if he does that that week where he blows you away, that's the time to trade him. So the reason why I took the trade was because it was for Pacheco, which Pacheco's always good, but Pacheco also have, a great trade. Yeah, that and was, so, that so, was blowing up. So I had Brees, but I have Brees Hall, right? And I was like, all right, I have a dominant running back, and I could use another receiver that I could put in the flex. So now that you're saying that, like, if I keep him as a flex guy, and then on his bye we go find somebody in the waiver wire or use another running back on the in the flex, I think I'll be okay. But maybe yeah. I can't get somebody to trade for him. So I guess it's not that bad. 
And I'm I think telling you, I, I know, I know our league. You're, you're going to be able to find someone. And I think the big thing, Al, we, uh, me and Tad already discussed this, but uh, my waiver wire pickup at the quarterback position is Derek Carr, and we're both a huge fan of the Saints' schedule going forward for the next five weeks because they play the Texans, they play the Jaguars, they play the Colts, the Bears, and the Vikings before they have a bye week. So exactly like Tad laid out, if you just need a flex option in Michael Thomas, he's still producing. Yeah, it's not going to be the classic, you know, vintage Michael Thomas from when Drew Brees was running this offense with Sean Payton. But he's still going to get you a dependable amount of catches. He's still going to get you a dependable amount of yards. And if he finds the end zone, that's obviously just a bonus for you. But just, yeah, as a flex option, if you don't need him to be a starting wide receiver for you, I think he's perfectly good for the next five weeks for sure. Good deal. Definitely. All right. I'll leave uh, you guys whoa, alone. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> before, before Al leaves, I got to do it for the third time. Wait, wait, okay. Amir. All I was going to do was say what's up and leave. And then Tad, like. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's all good. But Al, Al, well, here's here's why. And Al, uh, this is to you, okay? Okay. This is a rough weekend for me. I lost almost all my fancy (laughs) matchups. I went one for three on my bets because, by the way, the Packers lost by four points. Oh, yeah. Jordan Love Love threw a last second pick. It was really bad. Oh my gosh. Oh my. But Al, I don't care about any of that. You know why? Because you made my weekend. You know how you made my weekend? (laughs) <laughs> he broke the news to you he broke, he broke the news yeah. to me i thought and you were screwing i <laughs> thought al Rowe was screwing with me with the jt news where he said ted some big things are happening in indianapolis and i'm sitting there i'm like don't do this to me i'm like don't yeah i sent him this clip i was the hawkeye <laughs> avengers end game one where he's like yep. don't give me hope don't do this <laughs> he's just like google Colts. and the second i typed it in i'm like okay we can made <laughs> Well, yeah, I will say cool. I will say this, Tad, about your Colts, and, and it's also the same thing with the Rams. They're not far off. They just need to find a couple, couple pieces. Years. Couple yeah, years. Yeah, and 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 I don't I I don't watch the Colts enough. Like I watch the Rams enough. I can tell you where the Rams need to get better at. They need a better running back. They need a left tackle, and they need a receiver to take the top off. And the Rams are elite again, right? Um, <clears throat> the Colts are not far off. They have a receiver. They have a running back. And like you said, you, like I actually, you said the offensive line is getting old. So maybe you go get a young guy, but I think defensively they need a little bit more help. Right. And then we draft pass rusher for the fifth straight year. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> also, also I will tell you this. They all need to go get something that's really valuable to them. They need to go get a metal barrel, take it in the locker room, and throw it in there and set it on fire to get that bad juju off of them. Because the Colts right now have the worst luck ever, right? So, I mean, but but I will you, tell you this. You know what? I will say real quick. You know who I blame it on? Andrew Luck. Oh. Well, you can't blame it on – Is his last name? I absolutely can't blame it on him. <laughs> I will say this. If I was Andrew Luck and if any of us were Andrew Luck, you would have done the same thing. Like, you're not protecting uh, me. My absolutely. body hurts. I'm done. I can, I can quit with millions and millions of dollars <laughs> yeah, left. Exactly. Absolutely, I would do that. No, definitely. That. But I will say this. Keep the hope up. They aren't far up. And I told you that week one. I was like, hey, Tad, the Colts ain't bad. Like, so – and and I will say this. I will say this. Don't be surprised if they sneak in the back door of the playoffs. Don't be surprised Ooh. at that. They have the ability. They have the ability to sneak in the back door of the playoffs. Interesting. So, Interesting. so don't be surprised. I'm not saying they are, but if they do, this one of those things. Like, okay, I, I see why. Like, so 
keep hope alive. And we know our guy over here, Murray, he's just over here and hitty because he has he the best should, I'm feeling so good. Murray can go fuck himself. That's the best thing Al, before we let you go, you know, speaking about feeling giddy, we definitely want to get your thoughts on just USC so far. Like, I mean, they've been looking pretty solid to start the season, obviously. Like, you're talking about playoffs. Like, are they a lock for the playoffs? Like, I mean, what are your thoughts really quick before we let you go here? If you lose Colorado, I will end all of already, We already we already beat Colorado. Yeah, Did you? I thought that was Oregon. No, no, no. So, so, um, so, you guys, um, we haven't been very good. We haven't been very acceptive of the defense at USC. And the USC is the biggest issue. Their defense is the biggest issue. And last week's game, they played Arizona and they pretty much rolled the ball out there and said, Caleb. Was that three overtimes? Three overtimes. They rolled the ball out there and said, Caleb, go win us this game, right? Yeah. There's there's no reason why Caleb Williams shouldn't win the Heisman Trophy again. Like, he's proved that he's the sure. best player in college football. Um, there's cultural issues. There's defensive issues. There's a lot of issues. And I've, I've said this on my podcast, and I'm on the USC podcast. Um, they're not a college football playoff team. Whoa. I don't think they are. Okay. As okay. of right now, as of right now to this point, and that's one thing, like, Shit, they're they're just not a college football playoff team at this point. And if they want to become a college football playoff team, there's some things they, that they need to change, and they need to change them fast because they're running into Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, and they have Notre Dame this weekend. So they're going through a grinder with no bye week. So they have to get and, it done. And they have to piss off Notre Dame too. Yeah, so they have to they have to get it changed fast if they want to be considered a playoff team. Right. They have Caleb, but Caleb, you can't you can't rely on the fact of Caleb's going to win it for us. You have to be able to do it. Right. So the good and, I, and I'll use this as an example. If the defense has a bad day in San Francisco, the offense will still be able to overcome it and get you through the game. If the offense has a bad day, the defense, you know, the defense is going to be able to overcome it and get you through the game. USC doesn't have that. If the offense has a bad day, you go into three overtimes. If the defense, they have been having bad games since September. So. There's a lot that needs to be fixed and a lot that needs to be changed for them to be a college football playoff team. But right now they're just a New Year's Six team or a Rose Bowl team. And that's what it is. I will say this, though. They are ahead of schedule and the expectations for them are way out of line. You got to remember the year before they only won three games last year. They're a New Year's Six team. Now this year, everybody wants them to go to the national championship. And, I, and I've said this before. They're ahead of schedule. So I think we are putting a lot of pressure on them. But if you're going to put that out there and be six and oh in week six. I mean, I mean, excuse me, five and zero in week six. You got to go, right? All right. So, Al, two questions for you. One, could this team be Tulane? This year's Tulane. Really? Yes. There's some doubt there. Okay. <laughs> this year's Tulane. I, I just don't think that the defense is. I, this year's Tulane. They could beat them. This year's Tulane is last year's Tulane. Well, right? that's they, fair. They, yeah, they, that's right. Fair. So I just. Also, but if if you talk like, like if you talk realistically, like can this team beat? a new year 16 that's in there. I don't know. It's going to be a dog fight. It's just that they have so many schematical issues on defense and it's just not making sense. And now you're seeing them trying to fix it now. And the fact that they're trying to fix it now, like, are you trying to fix it now to get ready for this grinder that you're going through? But right now it's a little bit too late. This is the only team that wins games and drops in the rankings. I've never seen anything like this in my life. They went from six to 10 in three weeks (laughs) and they won and they're they're undefeated. So, this is going to be a shocker, but I misspoke. Uh, so I, that was my one question. I also have one more statement. Um, <clears throat> Caleb Williams is better than Drake May. 
<laughs> he finally admits it. He finally admits it. <laughs> Look, Tat, this is all I'm gonna say. The only thing that I dislike Drake May, now I still like Drake May a lot. I still Drake like him a lot. Fair. Drake May is good. And, and, and I will ask you guys this is better. I you, still have the longevity issues. I'm yeah. worried about Caleb Williams' longevity in the NFL, but if he can stay healthy, no competition. Well, I will like say that, this. that kid is so damn good. Well, I will say this, and 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 if you guys do the preseason stuff, I wish I, I I'm more than happy to be on there like because oh, you know well, I love it. it. It was funny. I don't know if you remember this, where I was really pissed off at the Richardson pick when yeah. the Colts took him, and I'm just like, oh my big board, and I love this because if you watch it back, it's hilarious. I'm pissed off. I'm ranting, and you just go, can I do a big board with you guys <laughs> while well, I'm in like the middle of my ranting? Yeah. So like, but so no, absolutely, you're like all that stuff. You are you are there with us on. Do you know who else I like as a first-round pick at quarterback? And I know there this be, is fantasy football. There be Penix because Penix looks damn Michael good. Michael Penix is, good, is also good, but the kid at Notre Dame is in a pro-ready offense right He's now. He's 27. That's fine. <laughs> He's not 27. This is his fifth. He's like 25. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the his Brandon sixth year. Weed situation is that what yeah, it is? No, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> but no, I think he's in a pro no, offense. Good kid. He's a good I'm not kid. saying I'm not saying go and get him on Thursday night, but if you're looking for somebody that you might want to have a solid backup or maybe be a starter, that might be somebody, and you don't want to pay the price. And you know my biggest thing: why pay the price for that guy in that round? And you go get him later, and you get him for a cheaper value, right? So he's the serious serious Hendon Hooker. got it got it go get them go get them for a better price so definitely definitely awesome well al we appreciate you stopping by he's our resident expert when it comes to usc trojans former usc trojan coach al Rowe. uh he covers the salute detroit podcast covering all news when it comes to usc trojans he gives it to you he gives it to you anytime you need it um appreciate you stopping by al no problem hey real quick tad you remember when i said uh when I said uh, TCU was bad and you got okay, bye Al. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, cut him off right there. That's, that's what happens when you don't you join back here, Al. Don't you try it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, went a little long there, but yeah, we had a very special guest in Al Rowe. Like I said, he covers, uh, the USC Trojans for us here at LAFB network gives us a lot of great, um, support on the Slack channel and for our podcast and all that stuff. So yeah, he's a really good guy. Lots of, uh, expert knowledge when it comes to the college level as well as the pro level too, for sure. But Tad, that is our episode for today. We covered all the injuries, the major ones. We covered all of our waiver wire picks. But, I mean, guys, if you need specific information when it comes to your waiver wire decisions, when it comes to your trade decisions, when it comes to your start-sit decision, whatever it is that you need help with when it comes to your fantasy football league, you see the ticker down below. You got God, all of our handles there. <laughs> you got my handle at other side 23 on Twitter. You got Tad and Tad side 94 on Twitter. You got this uh, show handle at the Decide Guys and, of course, on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. Hit us up. Interact with us. We'd love to hear your questions regardless of what it is. We are here to help you out, here to help you win your various fantasy football leagues. If you're listening to us on your uh, – if you're listening to our podcast, excuse me, make sure you subscribe wherever listed to your podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can listen to the LAB Network 
website as well. Hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. So we're always up to date with our YouTube channels. And please make sure you're supporting our parent network. We already talked about Salute to Troy, but we got a lot of other great podcasts covering LA sports on both the college and the pro levels. We got you covered with the Rams and the Chargers at the pro level and the Trojans and the Bruins as well on the college level. So guys, a lot of great content from them as well. But guys, to everybody who's already interacting with us, who's following us on social media, who's listening, who's watching, I mean, just anything and everything that you're doing, guys, to support us, we really can't thank you enough. And guys, I mean, that conversation you saw just happened with Al. We promised that was not planned whatsoever. Uh, it was it's probably still going to happen because apparently Al and us record at the same time and he just wants to end on our show. Yeah. But that is literally <laughs> the type of conversations that go down between me and Amur as we are trying to like give you guys advice. It's like we have these exactly. discussions. We have these debates. We don't always agree, but eventually we always are like, okay, if we don't agree, let's both give them our you know, advice and they can pick for themselves. Or if we do agree – one of us will send it your way. So that is the type of conversation. That is how seriously we take this. My God, I mean, I, I, I shout him out almost every episode now, but my good uh, former work friend, now just friend, Jason Davis, hits me up at least two or three times a week for fantasy advice. I could not be happier to help him out. So please keep hitting us up for advice. Keep hitting us up for, you know, start, sit, trade, uh, you know, waiver wire, any of that stuff. We have your back. So keep hitting us up for all that information. We love it so much. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And please stay safe.